Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Hey, I'm going to make a uh, mention of a few things that I want you to know. One is we started the project over here. Dirt was flying this week. All right. You, you can thank me for the rain. That's right. As soon as we started digging, we get rain. I'll tell you what. Huh? But no, we're excited about that. It's going to be great to get that done. We are started. Praise the Lord. The other thing I want to make mention are several... Um, this week, we've had several sad things. I've prayed about them a little bit earlier. One is Dave Wallace, for those of you who may not know who Dave is. Dave is the gentleman that sits in the wheelchair over uh, in that section over there. Dave passed away, I believe it was on Sunday night um, this past week. And uh, so, you know, certainly Dave has been... Um, a part of our church for a number of years, adopted by many different families in here. I know them, the Millers and the Brackens and Paul Holland and just people bring Dave and make sure he's here for different functions and so forth. And uh, he's missed. Amen. And uh, Andy Dick, some of you may not remember who Andy Dick was. He passed away, 38 years old. I'll explain it to you this way. Some of you will remember this. He was the young man about a year or so ago was in our church and um, he had muscles on top of muscles, all right? And he would worship real intensely and real aggressively. And one time I called him up to kind of minister to him. I remember he jumped over like a, a, a row or two of chairs, okay? And, um, but he passed away this week as well. We did the funeral yesterday. Um, and then the Lazinskis lost a grandson on um, Friday night, I believe it was. And so, you know, these are very hard times. I mean, they're, they're um, difficult times. When you go through death, you go through that. There's heartache. There's a lot of um, sadness associated with it. And, you know, the body says we bear with one another. We bear each other's burdens and we mourn with each other. And, you know, in our country, our country really needs to take the time to mourn with one another. You know, I was, I was thinking this week and looking at some of the Las Vegas, Nevada um, responses and how we will quickly turn to blame and we will quickly turn to political divisiveness to have an agenda one way or the other when the fact of the matter is we just need to take a season and mourn together because how many know when you take a season and mourn together you'll probably have better dialogue after that and and even as a body of christ we just need to take some time and we need to mourn with each other when we go through these things and so you know i just i just want to encourage you to you know when you see the people going through this you don't have to fix it you don't have to have words may i say you don't have to explain for god Sometimes people want to come to you and explain to why that happens. Some of us don't know why things happen. All right? I've told you the story before. I used to tell you, sometimes we always want to make, you know, God, like we got to, like we got to justify this. And when my father passed away, he was 58 years old, died of a massive heart attack. And, and I remember at the funeral, what viewing him, and somebody came through, and they're trying to be good-natured, and they're trying to encourage, and they're trying to, and, and, and they said to my mother, they said, well, don't worry. God doesn't take something away that he doesn't give you something better. I mean, that was just stupid. <laughs> I mean, that was just stupid. All right, come on. Yeah, like, like, okay, so let me see. God took him to give her a better man than him. Hello? Just stop. We just, you know what you do? This is what you do. You just walk up to somebody. This is all you do. You say, you know what? I understand. I love you. you that's all. That's all you need to do. Whoops, praying for you. Love you. That's all. You don't need to have answers. Because, I mean, sometimes we don't have the answers. Don't, don't you wish you had all the answers? Right? All right. What am I going to talk about this morning? And by the way, the caller's supposed to be like this, okay? okay? I just want you to know. All right, I walked in. Dave Dunio tried to fix it back there. I walked up here, George tried to fix it. And then Troy's mother, Sharon, is watching live stream and said, tell Jim to fix his collar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I just thought, I, I saw it, I thought it was nice, I bought it. Now everybody's trying to fix it. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> it's a blast. I love it. Let me share with you. I've got to take us to a portion of Scripture. I'm going to go here this morning. Um, I sense a heaviness in the house this morning. I sense a, 
either the weariness or a, a, a tiredness or a, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Amen. And um, there's some sadness in the house and some heaviness in the house. And um, how many of there are seasons of that? Hmm? Now, let me take you to a portion of Scripture. I, I preached a message. I'm going to bring you an excerpt out of it that I added some stuff to here just a little bit ago because I really wasn't sure where I was going to head this morning. I have about three different things I could preach. Maybe I'll preach all three before it's said and done. It might be, you know, I might preach all three. All right? But um, let me take you to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. I can't see. I've got to clean my glasses. Luke chapter 22. Verse 31, Jesus looks at Simon, and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Come on, imagine this. Jesus is talking. How, how many of you get ready to hear good things from Jesus? Like, yeah, okay, what do you got? What, Jesus, what? Simon, Simon, oh, this is going to be good. Simon, Simon, yeah, this is going to be really good. Simon, Simon, oh, I can't wait. Simon, Simon, guess what? What? Tell me. Satan is that sift you sweet. Oh, oh, it's not quite what I was expecting. Simon, he's asked to sift you as wheat. Hmm. Have you ever been sifted? Have you ever known that you've been sifted? Did you ever know you were sifted while you were going through the sifting? Uh, there's some people in this house this morning that guess what? You're being sifted. There's some sifting that's going on in our country, isn't there? There's some sifting going on in some lives right now. I believe that God is, uh, is telling us right now that there's some sifting going on. And I want to talk about this a little bit this morning. And, and so when we look at this portion of Scripture, here is, think about that. This is Peter. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. For three years he walked with him. He did miracles with him. He, he did miracles in his name. He walked on water. All right, he, was, uh, he participated in the what? The multiplying of fish and loaves. He went out and cast out demons and healed the sick. This was Peter, who Jesus says, guess what, guys? Greater things than these shall you do someday. All right, this was Peter, who had the great revelation that you're the son, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. This is Peter. And now, all of a sudden, Jesus looks at him and he says, by the way, I've got to tell you something. Satan is as to sift you as wheat. Now, here's been my question. My, I looked at him and said, and Jesus, and of course you told him no, right? Of course you told him no, right? I mean, that's what you expect Jesus to do, right? Okay, all right, all right. The problem with you people is you know the rest of the story. All right? I want you to pretend you don't know the rest of the story. How many of you would, would, would quite have expected Jesus to say next, but I haven't let it happen. But I told him no. I told him to get his hands off you. I told him he couldn't touch you. I told him he couldn't come in. I told him no. How many would have, I would have expected Jesus to say that. Jesus didn't say that, right? This is where the rubber meets the road, all right? This is where the time in your life where there's a sifting season. And the sifting season is a deliberate move on the part of the devil to separate and to prove what is good and what isn't good. All right? Let me tell you about this sifting for a minute. Did you ever sift wheat? I haven't ever sifted wheat, right? But what they would do is they would take the wheat, they would harvest it, they'd bring it in, they put it on the threshing floor, they would grind it, and then they would begin to take it, and they'd begin to toss it into the air, violently toss it up in the air, so that the casing, which was no good to eat, would get blown away, and that which was wheat, the kernel of wheat, would fall back down onto the threshing floor. All right, the chaff, which was blown away, was inedible for humans, okay? It was used as livestock fodder or waste material that was plowed into the soil or to be burnt. This process of loosening and removing it was called threshing, and then they would sift it, okay? The Bible tells us in, in Scripture, the wicked ones are not so, but they're like chaff, which a wind drives away. The Bible declares that chaff is like a wicked person. All right, listen to me. Let them be like chaff before the wind. Talking again about evil people. 
Bible says in Matthew chapter 3 about Jesus that his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. All right, let me talk to you for a few moments about this sifting season for just a few moments. I preached this a couple of years ago, but I'm going to preach it a little bit different this morning because there's a couple of things that God showed me early this morning as I was sifting through what I was going to preach this morning. This sifting season, all right, What's it all about? It's a proving season, right? It's an attempt. There's an attempt of something to happen in this sifting season, all right? It's this sifting where all of a sudden the enemy comes in, looks at Jesus and says, listen, he's like, Job, you let me at him, you let me test him, you let me try him, and his faith will fail, and he'll deny he ever knew you. He'll deny, he'll, he'll curse you, he'll curse you to your face, he won't serve you, right? Because how many know it's easy to serve God when everything's going good? And everything's going right. Because your faith isn't challenged until you're hit smack in the face with something that tests it. There's a reason they test kids to drive a car. There's a reason they don't just give them the keys and say, oh, here, you can start driving tomorrow. Because they need to prove that they got the ability to actually handle the thing. How many know that the sifting is a proving season? And so I look at this, and here's Peter. Peter's coming to the moment of his life where he says, where Jesus says, I'm going to sift you. You're going to get sifted by the devil. Now, let me ask you a question. How many like to be sifted? The idea is to try one's faith to the point of overthrow. Satan was out to overthrow the faith of Peter in order to steal his destiny his potential, and ultimately destroy what Jesus had already begun in him. It can be a painful, heartbreaking season. It can be a time of gout. It can be a time of confusion. That's exactly what the devil is looking to do through the sifting season. He wants to cause pain, doubt, and confusion that leads to destruction because the Bible tells us his ultimate goal is to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. The sifting season stinks, all right? But here's what I got to understand. So I'm, I'm thinking about this. Here's what Jesus, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as we, but I have prayed for you. Hmm. I think that's a good thing, right? And when you return, strengthen your brothers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean when I return? Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait, wait. The prayers of Jesus, you mean your prayers aren't going to keep me from it? No. Wait, wait, I would rather your prayers keep me from it, Jesus, rather than take me through it. Uh, you ever, come on, I don't like the way Jesus is praying right here. I don't like the way Jesus is praying right here. I, want, I don't want to go through it. I want your prayers to keep me from it. I want your prayers to keep me out of it. I don't want to go through this. Guess what? He was going to go through it. All right? The prayers of Jesus will see him through this sifting season. What did he pray? What was his prayer? He said, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Hmm. Because it's faith that will see you through the sifting season. Isn't it? It's your faith in the one who's interceding for you to get you through the sifting season. It's your faith in him, your faith in Jesus, your faith that comes from the author of faith. I mean, no, he's the author of your faith. He's the finisher of your faith. And that faith that you need to get through the sifting season has a source and his name is Jesus. Aren't you glad it's not faith in you? Aren't you glad it's not faith in Pastor Jim? I thought for sure somebody would shout on that one. Aren't you glad it's not faith in Pastor Troy? What do you mean, oh, he's not here. He's probably watching on live stream. They're all pouting for you, Troy. It's not faith in anything but in Jesus. But I want you to see the couple words I want you to show you. Listen to what Jesus said. But I have prayed for you. I want to take, those, I want to take that sentence apart for just a moment. I want you to catch the ramification for this this morning. I want you right now to put yourself in Peter's place. Father, right now for the next few moments, I want you to arrest our thoughts, our minds, our hearts. I want you to hear what you have to say to us. I want you to help us 
to grasp it in a way that brings encouragement, hope, comfort. I, I want you to, to help us to really in, grasp, to really grasp what you want to say to us this morning in Jesus' name. Jesus, I have prayed for you. Let's take a look at that first word. I. Jesus says, I. Just stop right there. How many know it's already good? I have prayed for you. How many know it's important who's doing the praying? It's really important who's doing the praying. I have prayed for you. Peter, I'm not, John's not praying for you, although he might be. Andrew might be. Philip might be. But guess what? I have prayed for you. Who's the I? Listen to me this morning. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was praying for Peter. I, got, I want you to personalize this this morning, that Jesus is the one praying for you this morning. He's the one interceding for you this morning. He's the one at the right hand of the Father this morning. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing this week. I don't know what has hit you this week. But I want you to know the same one that said, I'm praying for you, Peter, is the same one who's praying for you this morning. He's interceding for you this morning. I have prayed for you. The Lamb of God was praying. The great high priest was the one doing the praying. The only pure high priest was the one doing the praying. The high priest who was perfect. The high priest who would defeat death and hell. The high priest who would defeat the grave. The high priest who's full of grace and mercy. If I got somebody praying for me, I want somebody who's full of grace and mercy praying for me. Because Lord knows I need grace and mercy. Come on. I want the one, the Bible says, is full of truth praying for me. Because how many know I want the one who knows truth to pray for me? Listen to me this morning. If the eye is important, that listen, the high priest who sits at the right hand of the Father, the high priest who said, listen to me, all authority has been given to me. Do you understand this morning? I got to ask you this morning. Do you understand who's praying for you? Do you understand who's praying for you this morning? I don't know what you're going through. Tim, I got to tell you something, man. We're praying for you. We love you. Your family's going through. But I got to tell you something this morning. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. I got to tell you, Peggy, he's been praying for you. You lost that son. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. There's been an attempt to overthrow your faith. Catch this this morning. Steve, you're going through stuff. Every piece of equipment you touched is broke. Stay away from my car. Okay? He's been through an onslaught of stuff. He's praying for you. We prayed for you. We prayed with you. We prayed with him on Friday. But guess what? There's somebody greater than Pastor Jim praying for him. Boy, that should bring comfort to everybody's heart. You understand this morning, the ramifications. I want you to think about the ramifications of God saying, I'm praying for you. Jesus, I'm praying for you. The intercessor, the interceder, the one at the right hand of the Father. Listen to me this morning. Catch a glimpse of this. If he's praying for you, he's not oblivious to what's going on in your life. He's not oblivious. He sees it. He understands it. I have prayed for you. Say it. He is praying for me. But here's what gets really cool. I looked at this one. I. Look what he says. I have prayed for you. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't start praying for me when I start getting sifted, but he's already been praying for me. He's already, the one who knows the beginning from the end has already been praying for me. He says, I have prayed for you. He didn't just get surprised. He said, oh my gosh, did you see what happened to Peter? I have. Before you hit a sifting season, Jesus was already in a season of prayer. You get the ramifications of that? He prayed for you before you even knew you needed his prayer. He prayed for you from the moment the enemy planned his attack. Listen to me. Obviously somewhere, get this for a moment. Obviously somewhere there was this little discussion between Satan and Jesus where Satan had said, oh, I want to sift her. I want to sift him. I want to test him. I want to see if what he says is really true. What if I strike everything Job has? What if I strike Peter? What if I sift Peter? I want an opportunity. And he began the attack, and he began to plan it. And Jesus, okay. But already, how many know he's already praying? Hmm? He's already praying for Peter. I have prayed for you. Listen to me. His prayers of yesterday will get you through today's sifting. 
Come on. Aren't you glad he knows what you need before you need it? Aren't you glad he knows what you need before you know you need it? Jesus didn't start praying for us when we lost our son. He prayed for us before we lost our son. Come on. His prayers before this season will get you through this season. Before, this is what I believe. Before I saw it, he was praying. Before I realized it was praying. Take heart today. What you're going through, it didn't catch God by surprise. Your season has been prayed for. He's been interceding for you from the moment that it hit. His prayers yesterday will see you through today. He said, but I have prayed for you. I have interceded for you. I have, and part of that word means I have sought and interceded for my desire for you. Here's the cool thing about it. He's not going to pray according to the desires of your heart. He's praying according to the desires of his heart. Isn't God awesome? Hmm? I have prayed for you. You? You. The greater was now serving the lesser. The greater was serving the lesser. The lesser was being supported by the greater. Why is that? Why is that? Because I mean, Jesus said he came to what? He said, I came to serve, not to be served. And the greatest way that he could serve Peter in this hour was, Peter, I know you're going to go through it. I know you're going to get sifted. I know you're going to get tossed. But I have prayed for you. I, I, I am praying for you. I'm the one that's praying for you. You, you, the weak one. You, the one that, come on, get who you is for a moment. You, the one that, <laughs> you got to love Peter. Okay? I'm going to chop his ear off. Wow. Okay, how many know? How many know if one of our pastors chops somebody's ear off, we'll probably disqualify him. <laughs> all right, I mean, think about this. Think about who Jesus dealt with. All right, the guy was nuts. Okay, I mean, Peter was crazy. I'm going to walk on water, then he's sinking. One minute he's this, one minute he's okay, and all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to chop the dude's ear off. We would disqualify him. Thankfully, Jesus said, oh, "I can fix that. I'll put it back on." All right? Then Jesus fails him. Or Peter fails Jesus, right? Fails him. I have prayed for you, you, you who are weak in your faith, you who are weak in your, you're strong in your flesh, you who have failed me, you, you who are going to fail me. I have prayed. Do you understand that he's praying for you not because of your perfection, but he's praying for you because of your destiny? He's praying for you because of your potential. He's praying for you because he loves you. He's not praying for you because you're perfect. He's not praying for you because you have it all together. He's not praying for you because you got it all right. He's not praying for you because you did everything. He's praying for you because of your future. Come on. I have prayed for you. Some of you got to get it out of your mind that he doesn't love you. That he is displeased in you, and that's why these things are happening. If, you, if he's going to pray for Peter, he's going to pray for you. You know, let me talk a little bit. I'm going to segue here for just a moment. I did a funeral this week for a 38-year-old man. I've done a lot of these types of funerals. I'm really quite sick of doing young funerals. And I've done a lot of funerals for the same type of people. People who have been wounded in life. There's been wounds. And those wounds turn into actions. And those actions turn into addictions. And those addictions turn into more wounds. They're wounded by people. They're wounded by themselves. They're wounded by their own actions. Things that they do, they get stuck in this thing. And life becomes hard. And life becomes a struggle. And yet, these are not unbelievers. When I talk about Andy Dick, he was not an unbeliever. I have his journal. I got his Bibles. I've looked through them. I see a man desperately crying out to God, desperately calling out to God, desperately looking for healing, desperately looking for everything he needs. I I watch this. I see this. 
And, and, and I got to tell you something. And I watch him, and he's up, and he's down, and he's in, and he's out. And I meet all kinds of But you got to understand something this morning. Hear my heart this morning. You must understand this. This is what we got to know, that my God, my God, my Jesus, my beautiful, wonderful Jesus, he loves that man. He loves these people. The Bible says that he will not crush a bruised reed. He will not snuff out a smoldering wick. The Bible says he's full of compassion. Listen to me this morning. We have got to understand that his heart beats for you even when when you're being sifted, even when you're struggling, that his heart beats for you, fights for you, prays for you, defends you. That's who he is. He can't help himself. It's his nature. He can't help himself. He's not going to just idly sit by. And I think, and I even think this, and I think there's times where his, they're, they're, how do I say this? There are some deaths that I believe are the grace of God. Some people say, what are you talking about, you crazy man? Because the, the Bible says what? The Bible says he came to give us rest. And for some people, come on. He's tormented you long enough. He's tortured you long enough. He's stolen from you long enough, but I have come to give you life. The problem is we view death as defeat all the time. I don't know how I got there, but hear it. Hear it. You see, there's people in this house today, you're going through a sifting. You're going through a sifting season. And the sifting season has a purpose. It has a, and that purpose is to shipwreck your faith. Because Jesus' prayer was, I have prayed that your faith would not fail. That your faith would not fail. You see, because it's the sifting season that will toss it into the air. But here's the cool thing about it. Everything without substance blows away. But everything with substance comes right down, down where it started from. Though he slay me, I will serve him. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Do you understand this morning that you stand and you come back down and you're not blown away, not because you're strong, not because you got it all together, but because there's one who sits at the right hand of the Father and says, I got this. I got your back. I'm praying for you. You be strong in me. You're going to come right back down. Don't you worry. You're not getting blown away and your faith will not fail. Listen to me. You're going to feel in the midst of it. Some of you this morning, you're going through stuff. You went through the loss of a child, a grandchild, or what it might be, and you feel like you're going to die. I'm going to tell you something this morning. You're not going to die. You're going to live, and you're not just going to live. You're going to thrive, and you're going to have the joy of the Lord because it's going to become your strength because he's the one that sits at the right hand of the Father. He's the one that prays for you. He's the one that strengthens you. He's the one that equips your faith. You're not going to die i got to tell you this morning, some of you have doubt, some of you have confusion. I'm going to tell you something. It's going to clear. The fog is going to clear. Why? Because there's one who's praying for you. Some of you are in mourning. It's okay. Mourn. The Bible says there's a time to mourn. But there's also a time to laugh. And the laughter is going to come because of the one who's praying for you during the morning season. Joy comes in the morning. It's, it's, you come right back down. That which substance won't be blown away. You, have a, you might have a momentary lapse of faith. Come on. How many know Peter had a momentary lapse of faith? Weren't you with him? Nope. Don't know him. Didn't you walk with Jesus? You were, you were with him. I have no idea who he is. Yeah, but, but I, I'm certain you were with him. No. And then the rooster crows. It's over. Everything you ever said about me was over. Wouldn't you feel like a failure? We know he went back fishing. We know he went back to his old life. Because in a moment of time, he had a failure. He had a lapse of faith. 
But how many know a season of sifting cannot destroy the promise of a lifetime? Jesus, listen to me. What does, how does Jesus pray? I believe that Jesus was praying according to prophetic destiny. He already spoke over Peter. How many know Jesus isn't double-minded? How many know he's not conflicted in his mind? Jesus is the one that told Peter, guess what? This is what you're going to do, and this is what you're going to be, and this is what's going to happen. How many of you know that he's not about to pray against his word that he's already spoken over Peter? And i got to tell you something this morning. Some of you have received a word from God before. Guess what? God's not gone back on his promise. God's still praying for you, and the promise can still come to pass because the momentary lapse of faith does not negate what God has planned for your life. It, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. I have prayed for you. And when you return, strengthen your brother. <laughs> Think about this this morning. What are you going through? What's hit your life? Hmm? Sifting? You getting sifted at all? Have you been sifted? Maybe some of you don't know me have a clue what I'm talking about. Maybe you just like had this perfect life and nothing wrong is ever going to happen. Let me tell you what follows the sifting season. Tell you what follows it. So you plant a seed in the ground of wheat. You water it, it grows. You harvest it. You bring it to the threshing floor. You put it on the threshing floor. You grind it. And then you sift it. All the chaff blows away. And now the grain comes back down and it's on the threshing floor. Right? And you take it and put it in the barn and say, that was nice. Wasn't that awesome? Case closed. End of subject. No. What do you do with that wheat? What do you do with that what's been sifted? You bake it. You cook it. You eat it. You bring it into the house. You use it. Do you understand? Do you understand? Listen to me. What follows the sifting season is the feasting season. Do you understand that after the toil and the hard work of planting and harvesting and even going through a sifting, that all of a sudden you come to a place in your life where all of that has some benefit. All of that has a measure that you can look at that and say, you know what? I hated that season, but now I'm going to step into a new season. And this new season is what happened. Peter then became a person who what? Now I can take and I can feed his sheep and I can feed his lambs and I can take care of his sheep. Listen to me this morning. Don't you miss the next season. Don't you think it ends whenever you're done being sifted because now you're ready to be used by God in order to bring others into a season of feasting where you yourself will have joy and you will be used by God and God will use you to lead others to help them go through what you've just gone through. Let me give you a scripture, all right? Paul says this in, um, let me read you what Paul says. Okay, can I interrupt this for a moment? I just got a text message. Okay, let me tell you who I got the text message from. All right, I got the text message from Pastor Troy. Now, some of you back there like bugged because I just did this. Relax, okay? He said, stay in the light. <laughs> Listen to me for a minute. Listen to what Paul says. Susan comes up. Paul says this. In Second Corinthians, Paul says what? He said, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with comfort, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. During the, listen to me, I'm going to close. Some of us this morning are in this house. You've been sifted. Heartache, affliction. Tribulation, 
trials, death. It's been sifted. But your God has been praying for you. And now, just like Peter, because he's been praying for you and your faith will not fail, you're going to come out of that season where you can walk up to somebody and be used by God who has comforted you to comfort others. To comfort others. That you can look at somebody and say, I know where you've been. Let me tell you who's praying for you. I know what you've gone through. Let me tell you who's got your back. I know what you're going through. Let me comfort you with how I was comforted. Let me tell you about the one who has been praying for you. Let me tell you about the one who was praying for you before you even knew he was praying for you. Let me tell you about the one, Tim, that was praying for you last week before it hit this week. Let me tell you about the one that will see you guys through this. Let me tell you about the one that will see you through the next few days, in the next few months, in the next couple of years. Let me tell you about the one. Let me tell you about the one that will see you. Let me tell you about that one. Anybody ever been sifted? Some of you have been sifted this week. Some of you were sifted last week. Tossed to and fro and to and fro. so quiet here today. Come on, Lynch. You've carried it long enough. God says no longer you carry guilt. You don't carry the shame. Just put it away. carried anymore people may remember but I don't people may hold it against you but I don't people may whisper behind your back I sing over you. But I sing over you. I told somebody else this week that God was going to change the song of their life. And God's going to change the song of your life. No longer do you sing a song of lament. No longer do you sing a song of regrets but rather you sing a song of redemption. No longer do you hear a song that is written by others, but you will sing a song that's not of your own words, but it's going to be a song that you hear me singing over you. can't make atonement I made the atonement for it I made it it even covered that it even covered that you can't add anything to it the moment you try to add to my atonement you feel more guilt and more shame because you can't do enough And ever since, you've been tossed, and you've been up, and you've been down, and you've been up, and you're down. Tossed here, tossed there. Sifting season ends. It ends. season of joy pure joy a season of joy been a long night but joy comes in the morning
God says, you don't, care, you don't carry around anymore the scarlet letter because I've covered you in scarlet. I've covered you in red. I've covered you in blood. My blood covers you, which gives you a robe of righteousness. song of redemption. Sing. Sing. Father, there's something yearning in this man. There's some kind of yearning. There's a hunger. There's a yearning. Yet in the midst of that hunger and yearning, there's an uncertainty. And that uncertainty causes him at times to be able to say, you know what, I'm not ready to jump. I'm not ready to take this plunge. I'm not ready to, to jump in this because I'm just not sure. Well, welcome to the club. The Father said, hey, we want to remind him that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And Father, I want this man like Peter Peter didn't follow having it all figured out. Peter didn't follow you saying, okay, I know for exactly who he is and I know exactly what he is. But Father, I pray today that he would follow you. He would just say, you know what? I'm going to take this. Let's just go. Let's just go see where it ends up. And I'll, just come, I'll make a discovery of who this Jesus is as we go. I'll come to a greater revelation as we go. I don't need to have it all figured out at the beginning. I don't need to have it all figured out who he is and exactly how it works. I don't need to have it all figured out. If I'll just take the journey, I'll figure out who he is. Peter didn't have the revelation until after he traveled with Peter, with Jesus for a couple of years. And then he had a revelation. I now know who he is. And so, Father, I'm praying right now over him that this uncertainty, this thing, I'm just not sure about this. Father, I pray right now that he would just say, you know what? I'm jumping in. I'll learn what I need to learn, and I'll discover what I need to discover. And he'll reveal himself to me. That I'm I'm done trying to figure it all out first. Because the uncertainty is keeping him from taking the journey. And it's only on the journey will he make the discovery of a lifetime. (laughs) I want you to encourage him, Father. You got a plan for him. It's things he don't even know about. got a plan for him. But that plan, that destiny, that future can only be found by taking a step of faith. Saying, I'll go. Let's see what happens. Encourage him today. Encourage him today. Seth and Tabby. <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing any of this. I love God. Come here. You're going through a sifting season. We already talked, so it's not like a prophetic thing. We already talked about this. She told me what was going on. But I, want, I just want to reconfirm to you what God said to me to say to you the other night. And also, you know, this, this whole thing that's happened to you is kind of it stinks. It's rotten. It, and it could jade your heart if you let it. Don't you let that happen. 
Don't allow people, listen to me, don't allow what people have done to you to rob the future people of God from you. What happens sometimes is sometimes things happen in churches that are wrong. People do things to people that it jades our hearts. And when it jades our hearts, it keeps us from the people of God, thereby robbing the people of God of the blessing you're meant to be. Don't you allow that to happen. Don't let it jade your heart. Let it mold your heart. God will mold it. He takes rejection. He takes those things. He molds it. He shapes it. He'll make you even better out of it. Okay? Only if you let him continue to do that. If you pick up bitterness and offense, he can't work with that. And then you'll say, I'm just not, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to church. I'm going around those people. Bunch of hypocrites. And they're not all hypocrites. There are some. Okay? And then now all of a sudden you became robbed. You, they, he robbed you from the body. Don't let that happen. All right? And I told you, and I'll tell you again. Your name is Seth. Remember Eve said, now God has appointed me a son to replace Abel. You're not man's appointment. You're God's appointment. Man didn't call you. A church didn't call you. A denomination didn't call you. A group of people didn't call you. God has appointed you. You walk with a God appointment on your life. You walk with a God destiny, okay? You walk in the confidence of that, knowing that I have an appointment from God. I could be sifted yesterday, and I could be sifted a week ago, and I could be sifted at these people, and this whole thing could be a sifting of the enemy, but I have an appointment set by God. All right? Protect your hearts. Guard your hearts. Okay? But before you were rejected, he was praying for you. Before this ever happened, He's already praying for you. Yeah. You get it? He's not surprised. He's got this. Sifted, down. Sifted, you're down. Come back down. So that you can be used in the next season. All right? All right? Thank you. Saying, how long is he going to do this? I don't know. Do I look like I know what I'm doing? I just really feel like God wants to minister today. It's just, I feel that there's just been a heaviness and a, just like, you know, man, come here, Phil. I'll come to you. Troy will get mad. I leave the light. You're a smart guy. I know some of the stuff you've emailed me. I'm like, dude, he's way too smart for me. When I looked over and I saw you, I just had to remember something you posted on Facebook this week. Okay? What you posted on Facebook was from the top of Bon Secours, top of that place. And you were looking over the city. Right? You said, now this is a view from lunch. And I'm thinking, yeah, I wish I was up there with them. I was really jealous at that point. But all of a sudden, when I looked over here and I saw you. And this is what I think God's saying to you. Uh, God wants to tell you this. He wants to give you a view from the high places. Okay? L- listen to me for just a moment. Here's what I think. I- I- and again, I'm not trying to be prophetic. I'm just saying what I'm sensing in my spirit that God's saying to you. And there's something that God's saying to you that, listen, if you- he wants to give you a position on high. He wants to lift you up. He wants to elevate you. He wants to give you a view from up there. All right? And here's the deal. If you will, if you will keep him first, if you will follow him first, if you will keep the tenderness of your heart, because there's some th- things going on, and you have a tender heart, he's going to elevate you and put you up and give you a view from on high. But here's the deal. It's not just to have a view from on high, but rather to a view from on high so that you can see okay well look because when you have a view from above you can see what's going on down below and you can have a strategy you get a view from above you now can have a strategy for what to do when you're down because God wants to use you in a greater way God wants to use you in a way of lives in people's lives but it's when you get a view from heaven on earth that you're able to then see it because it was many times that the prophets many times that the people of God had to have a view a heavenly view of what was going on on earth so that they could do something on earth that God's called them to do does that make sense to you? All right? and, and so I'm just saying to you that that view that you had, where you had a view upon the city, is God wants to give you a view of the city from his perspective. God wants to give you a view of people from his perspective. God wants to give you a view of things on the earth from his perspective so that you can be used to bring heaven to earth. Hmm. So the next time you're on that roof and you're asking people to have lunch, that's what I want you to do. I said, God... Give me your picture. God, show me what you want me to see. Show me what you want me to see. He's going to give you, he's going to give you a view from a pie.
All right, one more. <laughs> Man, you have been sifted and poked and prodded and jabbed and operated on. But man, do you got a revelation of God now. Man, you used to think you was tough. You ain't tough no more. God has melted your heart through this process. He has, he has changed relationships. He has deepened relationships with your wife, with your kids, friendships. This whole thing that the devil threw at you, because it didn't come from God, has brought such a richness in other areas of your life. Relationship with the boys is stronger now than it was before that. The relationship with your grandchildren was stronger now than it was before that. Your relationship with Becky is stronger now than it was before that. Your relationship with God is stronger now than it was before that. Your relationship with His church is stronger now than it was before that. <laughs> and guess what time it is, Peter? It's time now to strengthen your brothers. Because you've been sifted, up, down, sifted, but He was praying for you uplifting you, strengthening you, bringing you through it. And now, and now, you strengthen your brothers out of what you've gone through. You strengthen others. You comfort others. You help others. Never in a million years did you think you'd be sitting in this church having the relationship with God that you have, lifting a hand in praise, lifting a hand in worship, and yet, here you are. You're weird like the rest of us. What the devil meant for evil, God has certainly turned for good. Father, bless my friend. There's such a gratefulness in his heart. And there's such a depth of sometimes thinking, I'm so undeserving. That's what's so cool about you. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. You love us. You love us. And you've carried him through. And he can certainly look back and say, I don't ever want to go through it again. I would never choose to go through it again. But I will take what has come out of it. You know, sometimes I, I wrote this to a, I wrote this for a person this week, and I gave her something and it had to do with a song. The devil's so dumb. <laughs> the devil tries to silence and steal the song of your life. How many know the Bible talks all the time about singing and songs and sing a new song? And I really believe he hates our singing. I think he hates it with everything in him. Because how many know when you're praising God, he hates for you to praise God. And if he can silence you and shut you up, he wants to do that. And, he, and when he can't do it, he gets irritated. And, and, and so everything he throws at you is to silence you. But everything he throws at you literally becomes a verse that's added to your song. Come on. People of God are coming out of Egypt. They get to the Red Sea. They can't get through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's in pursuit, right? Guess what? They just became part of the song because when they got through the Red Sea, they sang a song. The horse and the rider have just been thrown into the sea. Come on. Do you understand when that sucker's writing something against you and he's trying to come against you, he's just added a verse to the song of praise that you're going to sing to God? Hmm? When it blows up in his face, everything that you're going through this week, everything that might have hit you, let me tell you what's going to happen. It's going to be a verse added to the song of victory. A verse added to the song of praise. A verse added to. Yeah, I remember when this happened, but I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing. Okay.
It's a weird Sunday. Father, right now, I don't know what was going on here today. But I know this much. I know how much you radically, scandalously love your people. And you wanted to remind you this morning. Hey, whatever you're going through, I got it. Whatever you're going through, I'm praying for you. If you're being sifted, know this. The King of Kings, I am praying for you. Not only am I praying for you, but know this. I have already been praying for you. My prayers yesterday will cover you today and tomorrow. Hmm. And the you is you. Not because you're perfect. Not because you got it all together. Not because you're never having a moment of lack of faith. No, I pray for you because I love you and I wrote your destiny, not the devil. I wrote your future, not the devil. So, Father, I pray this morning that there's an encouragement in this house. I pray there's a comfort in this house. I pray that there is a uplifting of spirits. I pray that you lift our countenance. I pray that you lift our eyes. I pray that you lift our hope. I pray this morning, Father, that you spoke words to us that would lift us this morning. In Jesus' name. Come on, stand up with me. Come on. I just want you to know I just want you to know how much he loves you. Let me close with this. Reminder. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Some of you aren't looking at me when I look at you. (laughs) I want to look you right in the eye and say it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Hate when somebody stares right at you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you. Because how many know when he lifts up his countenance on you, your countenance is going to change and give you peace. Peace. Page. Servant. Assistant. You know when I spoke to that little girl the other day? Guess who else I was speaking to? I hope you caught it. You did? Because last night I, was, night I was thinking about it. And I was thinking about you and thinking about her. And I thought, I hope she caught that. That prayer wasn't just for that little girl. That that prayer was for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because God loves you as much as he loves that little girl. You saw how much he loved that little girl that night. Yeah. Well, guess what? He loves this little girl. And he wants to heal the little girl inside. gone through it lately don't worry that house ain't going nowhere yeah that house ain't going nowhere it's yours he gave it to you okay I don't know where that came from I'm just telling you that house ain't going nowhere okay you do the right things he'll got you back that house is a testimony that house is a testimony it ain't going anywhere up to your name. Listen to me. You live up to your name, page, assistant, attendant, servant. Okay? Serve him. Assist him. Attend him. 
he'll take care of that house. Okay? He's, he's got your back. All right? That house is a testimony. You've already given testimony to God. He's not giving it back to the devil. You can give it back to the devil, but he has no plan to give it back to the devil. Okay? All right, I'm done. I really mean it. Honest. Come on, let's sing something.